no motivation to work out? Well, this is the podcast episode for you. You know, with the pandemic, we started to see a lot of people invest in their own home gyms, right? Their gyms got closed down or there were so many restrictions and people didn't want to work out in masks in the gyms. I don't blame you. So people started investing in home gym equipment and it made things a lot easier. You know, you just go down to your living room or maybe your garage where you have all of your equipment there and voila, you can start working out. But one of the things that I started noticing people DMing me about was, Doc, how do I find the motivation to even go down and start my workout? It's easy, right? I got my stuff there, but how do I find that motivation to get started? And then... The other big question that people would ask is, how do I remain consistent about sticking on my schedule or even making a schedule? So in this podcast episode, I'm interviewing Chris Gethin. Chris is an internationally renowned businessman, celebrity trainer, and physique transformation specialist who was voted the world's number one trainer from platforms such as PT Academy and Bodybuilding.com. And after overcoming his own motocross injuries through biohacking and strength training, Chris developed his passion for building a better, stronger, and healthier body and mind. And he's now helping thousands of others achieve greatness for themselves. Chris is the CEO of Cage Muscle Supplements, co-founder of the Chris Gethin Gym franchise, and the founder of HealthKick.com, former editor-in-chief of Bodybuilding.com, and author of the number one bestseller, Body by Design. Chris aspires to help as many people live a healthy, more fulfilling life by raising the bar on health and fitness education through his books, content, personal training programs, and his own show, The Knowledge and Mileage Podcast, which has 1 million plus downloads. So welcome to the show, Chris. Cool. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. You know, everybody is either... um, packing the gyms, right? They're they're loading up on uh, on their gym membership or they're buying all kinds of equipment or they're buying all kinds of different weight loss programs. Um and that's that's kind of your forte, right? In into the, you know, you you came from the bodybuilding world and all that stuff. You know, let's kind of start there with, you know, your bio, uh, your background and um and kind of jump off from there. Yeah, for sure. So number one, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an absolute honor to speak to your audience here. But yeah, the accent is from Wales, uh, one from Wales originally. And I got into uh, bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding, initially from uh, so many injuries. I raced motocross for many, many years. Uh, Straight after motocross, I went into downhill mountain bike racing. So a lot of adrenaline associated with it, but a lot of uh, injuries as well. And it wasn't until I actually started doing weight training, resistance training, that I started to get alleviated of the pain associated with my injuries, my back being the, the major uh, major injury. And uh, so I went down that rabbit hole. I really enjoyed the discipline, the focus, the scheduling, the routine of that. 
and having a sense of urgency to focus on something that's okay. If it's a bodybuilding show a year and a half, two years away, we better focus on every day now because that will dictate my tomorrow. Yeah. And it had a transcendence effect in my life on now I had uh, better cognitive function because I'm getting better blood flow to my brain. I'm eating better foods. And I went to college to study international health and sports therapy for three years because I just found it fascinating how I could live on a higher vibration. You know, I felt like I was a different person and I could look back on the person that I was before, even though I was competing in various sports. You know, I struggled with school. I struggled with, you know, the cognitive synapses function that I really craved that I could see other kids had. But now I felt that I was living it uh, within myself, especially now I'm associating bodybuilding with discipline, timing, uh, respect of other people's time and being a lot more focused, you know, throughout the day. So I went down that rabbit hole and then, uh, you know, I, 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 I was a personal trainer for many years. Uh, I owned a gym in Australia. I own a franchise of gyms now, which I call academies in India to help educate not only the clientele, but the personal trainers there as well. And I just really like to see the transformations that, uh, that I witness, not just from a physical perspective, from the neck down, but from the neck up. And uh, my job, like you said, this time of year is try to get people to go past January where their best intentions tend to fall down because 8% of people who embark on a transformation are the success. The rest fail. Okay. So they will finish a transformation. Let's say it's six, eight, 12 weeks. But now an even lesser portion of that, that 8% actually keep the weight off or have, make a lifestyle out of it. So of course, yes, there's a boot camp, but you should make this a lifestyle. It isn't just about your vessel, your carcass. It's about the lifeline and living a, a higher purpose of a higher self. You know, why do you think that it that the numbers are like that? Why do you think that you know 92% of them, they fail? Because motivation fails. Motivation fails us. You know, people say, oh, how do I stay motivated? Don't focus on motivation. Focus on discipline because you're going to wake up after three hours of sleeping. You're going to go, forget it. It's cold outside. I'm not going to lace up my shoes and go out for a run. You know, uh, or maybe you've had an argument with your partner and now you're not motivated to work out. You're motivated to eat donuts. So you focus on discipline, you know, discipline of doing the same thing as you did yesterday, but doing it better and being committed to the cause instead of getting influenced by friends who want to take you out on drinks or, you know, there's another office gathering where someone's brought out the cake and motivation is down or you're hungry or you're tired. And now you fall for that. And then the next thing, it's a vicious circle because you feel bad. How do you feel better by eating bad food again, you know, uh, or drinking alcohol? So I try to get my my clients and I, I do it myself and I focus on discipline. You know, whether I like it or not, I'll get in an ice bath every morning. I'm not telling you to jump in an ice bath, but maybe have a cold shower the next time that you want a warm shower. So you get used to doing the things that you don't want to do on the days that you don't want to do it, such as not hitting your snooze button. So it has a transcendence effect in so many other areas of your life. So if you do go to the buffet and you see all this food in front of you, you have the discipline within you to say, no, I'm just going to pick out the foods that are going to fulfill me, that are going to feed my lifeline, that are going to provide me the antioxidants of pro protein for cognitive function for, you know, so I can, you know, have a longer lasting biological age instead of having, you know, indications of uh, health implications at a younger age. How, how did you develop that discipline? 
Um, by by baby steps, by baby steps. Yeah. Like when I gave up, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, motocross and downhill mountain biking, because I was so addicted to adrenaline, that be- become a part of my identity. Yeah. yeah. So when when I lost that through injuries, I turned to alcohol. I turned to drugs. So my first initial baby step was to replace that with something. Okay, what could I replace that with? What would give me, um, you know, the adrenaline that I'd missed out on that now drugs and alcohol was fulfilling? And I found out it was exercise, weirdly enough, because that releases endorphins. Mm. So whether that be mountain biking or body, you know, weight training, that was fulfilling for me. And then I looked to the next thing. What is the next thing that I can do on a daily basis? Well, I'm going to write in my journal because that accountability is so powerful to me and transparency. So maybe I'm going to tell five friends that I'm not going to hit the snooze button for the next month. And then the following month, I'm going to go, okay, what's my next challenge? I'm going to see if I can run so many miles throughout the month of February. And then the next one will be, I am going to have a cold shower every single day through the March of March, uh, through the month of March, and then so on and so forth. And then it has an accumulative effect. What, what was the biggest thing that you did as far as like, if you're going on that, that journey, trying to develop that discipline and say you fail, right? Say like you were supposed to go and, and do your workout or whatever. And then you just didn't get to it. What was the biggest thing for you to help turn that around? It was definitely transparency, transparency, telling people. Mm. So, you know, telling people not only within my social circle, but online. So back at this time when I was definitely failing there, um, you know, online resources had just become apparent. So this is going back in like 2008, 2009, uh, bodybuilding.com had a community that was like Facebook, but for fitness enthusiasts called Body Space. So I just found becoming transparent on it, telling people where my failures were and what I needed to do to, you know, try to get myself back on track was extremely powerful because I had so much encouragement, so much advice from other people that I'd never met before from all, all around the world. And then I'd see other people's struggles. So now all of a sudden, through their struggles, you're contributing, which again provides more accountability to yourself. And you know, by being transparent like that, you really do put your sincerity on the line. So you really don't want to fail. You know, I love that you say that because in this day and age of social media, you know, we see the highlights of everybody's life, right? And, you know, and this is a big thing around body composition and aesthetics is when the average person, they're trying to get to where, you know, like a person like you're, you know, where you're at. And then they see, oh my gosh, you know, that person, they have the perfect physique. Uh, I, I ate a cupcake today. Therefore, I, I, I'm, you know, I'll never get there. But I love that you said transparency because everybody wants to also see, hey, is that person human, right? Do they make the same mistakes as I do? And when you, and I see this a lot on social media, when people then share their vulnerabilities, when they, when they be transparent, it kind of lets everybody else say, hey, I'm in the, on the same journey. I'm on the same road and it allows them to, you know, pick up where they left off and, and get back to where they need to be going, you know, and, you know, the, the topic around strength training, there, there's so many ideas, right? And it's like, okay, what do you do? Do you lift 
4,000 pounds, right? You go to the gym and you, you squat 8 million pounds and all that kind of stuff too. So you can look like the Incredible Hulk or, or do I jump on my Peloton for 400 days and try to get thin? What, you know, talk about some of the myths that you commonly encounter about strength training and just exercise in general. Well, number one, people think I work out for a living, which couldn't be further from, from the truth. Uh, but, you know, a mis- mis- misconception, it all depends on the culture. It depends on the country that I get those questions. Mm. You know, for instance, in India, I'll get people uh, question all the time supplements are the same as steroids. You know, so oh. that's that's a common mis- mis- misconception that if I take that protein powder, my hair's going to fall out. You know, when, and when I just when I explain that, look, it's just dairy without the lactose yeah. and the and uh, and the fats. You know, maybe they get it, maybe they don't. But uh, I'd say, you know, a lot of the things around, you know, like strength training, and like you said, you know, do you do you have to lift that amount of weight? Then no, of course, your body has no idea where your failure point is uh, with just by looking at the amount of pounds that are on a leg press, it doesn't know numbers. It doesn't know calculation. It just knows if you push it a little bit more than you did the day before that creates what's called a hormetic response. That hormetic response allows your body to adapt and evolve, whether you're trying to improve your performance, your fitness, fat loss, muscle building, strength, whatever. You just do a little bit more than what you did before. Now, like I don't go to the gym and train for one rep or two reps or even six, Mm. eight reps max. I usually train at higher repetitions because it works for me. You know, like I've got a very small, uh, I got very small joints. So I get injured. I've had a lot of injuries uh, from various sports. And I understand if I'm to push heavy load and heavy weights, all of a sudden I'm going to get injured within the gym and I'm not going to be a happy person because the reason why I go to the gym, of course, I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to have more confidence. I want to have more energy, but it's mental therapy for me. That's what it is. I want to get my, uh, you know, I want to get my adrenaline fix. I want to get my endorphin fix and I get that from the gym. So it makes me feel good. And if I'm injured and I'm not training like I'd like to train, then now it's not a good feeling. So, you know, I deal with a lot of people who have various uh, mental issues, whether that be depression, frustration, anger, uh, anxiety, whatever. And I just say, let's start exercising. That's get your output. You know, I know you don't feel like going out, but let's just start off with walking a dog or walk around the block twice a day, whatever it may be. And then we build upon it from there. And it's the same reason why I do my ice baths on a daily basis. Now, you know, people go, wow, that's crazy. But I do that for my mental stability as well. Like there's a lot of attributes that I get from working out in the ice baths, you know, such as blood sugar stability. And obviously, like I said, uh, getting that uh, endorphin rush. But by getting in the ice bath every day, it tones what's called your vagal nerve. So by toning that vagal nerve uh, at the back of your neck, that puts you in that fight or flight response. So it helps with emotional stability. And these are the main reasons why I exercise and why I do cold thermogenesis. Look, you can have a cold shower. That's absolutely fine. But that's what I suggest to the majority of my clients as well. And of course, we all want to be harder to kill, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, when when I talk with patients about, you know, going and doing some type of exercise, um, they hate that word, right? Nobody wants to hear the word exercise. And do you find that with, you know, with your clients that 
if there's some type of goal in mind of why you're doing, you know, an exercise routine that it helps them to one, stay disciplined. Yeah, for sure. Of course. And it all depends on that person as well. So if that person has children, then I'll use their their kids as clickbait. Okay. You want to be there around for your kids. You want to inspire kids. You want to play with them as they're getting a little little bit older, you know, so I'll use that as that. And, you know, if there's something that, you know, in the family, that could be a genetic disposition to that person having heart disease or whatever it may be, then we're going to use today as our preventative medicine for the future, you know, because you don't want to be 18, 90 years old, and now you're stuck in a retirement home, or even worse, you're in a hospital, or even worse, that you're on your deathbed. You have you have the controlling seat right now. Unfortunately, a lot of people wait until it's too late in order to live a life of regret and try to change things. And what I try to do is prevent that. And the more that I talk and discuss that it's much more than, say, getting pecs and bicep peaks, it's something much more deeper down and it's your life that, you know, the most valuable thing that you've been given, then the better it gets through to uh, through to them. You know, like I have a lot of successful clients from a, you know, a financial aspect or business, mm-hmm. but they're failing at life. And I try to transcend and change their way of thinking that their priority is their life, not their business. The business comes secondary. It shouldn't take over uh, their steering wheel to navigate them to an early grave. Do you find that that also applies to those that you know, one wouldn't consider financially successful that they're, they may be failing in some other aspect in life that they don't necessarily know about. Of course. About, yeah. Yeah, of course. And you know what, the, the, the weird thing is, is that when um, I start working with uh, clients and it's not just myself, other trainers encounter this as well. Once that person, let's say if they don't have, they're not financially secure, let's, let's call that term. Yeah. Once they start taking a good grasp of their life and now they have more focus, they have more energy, they have more vibrancy, they're able to focus on the things that they want to do in life and become a leader because they've empowered themselves. So now they can empower empower their surroundings as opposed to being told what to do because they've just gone through emotions and they don't have the energy to even think for themselves. So usually they put themselves in a better financial position once they start taking a good grasp over their health. A lot of people don't make that connection, right? They 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 really compartmentalize all these different aspects, but they fail to see how intertwined they all are. Um, and, and one of the things that I see with patients is how how their marriages are, are affected by one their um, their physique, their health, and how that has just wide ramifications. Um, you know, if, if we start seeing them slip in their, in their physical fitness, and then that starts to affect their, their metabolic fitness, and then it just snowballs from there, you know, with their relationships, with, um, their relationship with, you know, with other humans, with their relationships with food and addictive measures. And they start to look for those things that create that dopamine response. And that's when we see all these destructive behaviors, these destructive um, addictions, rather than what you talked about, which was you turn those destructive addictions into constructive um, addictions to where now it, it, the things that you're obsessed about 
become something that builds you up rather than you know tears tears you down how did or how do you help other people if they're stuck in that rut how do you help them develop that mindset so it's usually just a form of discipline to begin with so i find i find out what their creature comforts are Let's say it's Netflix. Okay, what we're going to do, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you, you, you think that you're educating yourself or you're entertaining yourself. Let's try that with music. Okay, you, you got a vinyl record player. Let's try some music and now maybe some reading. Maybe it's an audio book if you don't like to read. So try to replace that with something a little bit more constructive and exercise their brain as opposed to just let it lay back on the couch and just, I don't know, just switch off. We're trying to switch off that cognitive function. So it's always trying to find exactly what that particular person's comfort is and then replace it with something that's maybe attractive to a form of entertainment. But then we try to put that into productivity. So that productivity, okay, you've read that book or you've listened to this music. What did you like about it? I get them to journal it down. Write, you know, write a, synops a synopsis about this book. Summarize it for me. What were the highlights for it if you were to teach someone else? And then we just kind of work from there. So it isn't just from a physical aspect. It's all mental. It's all mental uh, for the majority of time. Dependence on that individual. Maybe that individual has done this before and they've just had an injury and they've fallen off, but they can get back into it and they're mentally strong. And I've had that from several clients. Uh, but a lot of the time it comes from the mental aspect of just retraining their brain to prioritize what's important to themselves instead of going for comfort, comfort, comfort. Because if you look at the phone, the computer, you can get DoorDash, you can order from Amazon. You don't need to leave the couch. And the couch is our biggest culprit at the moment to, you know, heart disease and cancer and, and whatnot, you know. So we try to control their environment in this, instead of allowing them to get controlled by it. Say somebody comes to you and they're just in, you know, the worst shape of their life. Mm -hmm. Where where would you start them? How would you start them back on the path to where they need to be? Walk us through some of those things. Okay, sleep, number one. So you'll notice that I'm wearing blue light blocking glasses yeah. right now because obviously, you know, we are, yeah. you know, I've, I've got harsh artificial light here. I got light surrounding me. So I always get them to focus on their sleep, number one, because the majority of my clients that are extremely out of shape, like I'm talking clinically obese, over 300 pounds, chances are they're sleeping very late and they're getting very little sleep. Not all the time, but the majority of the time. So I get to, you know, slowly bring their their time to bed a little bit earlier. You know, I look like a party animal, tattoos here and whatnot. I'm in bed at 7.30 every night because I know that my cortisol levels are going to continue to stay high at a later time when I should be detoxing my brain, my body, keeping my cortisol levels low, because with the activity that I have and the stress of work, I know my cortisol levels rise quite easy. And then number two after that is hydration. Again, the majority of the people that I deal with are dehydrated. They drink coffee, they drink tea, they drink sodas, energy drinks, and think that's hydrating them when in fact, a lot of it has a diuretic effect. So I focus on them having electrolytes uh, in their water, possibly antioxidants as well to help ward off some of the free radical damage and just hydrate that, that person. And then it is daily movement outside, trying to get that vitamin D you know, uh, in, you know, exposure and getting outside a little bit where they're not taking music with them, they're not taking an audio book and they're not taking their phone at all. So they are just out there being present, okay? 
listening to their breath, their, their feet walking on the ground or whatever, because the majority of the people are looking for distraction and they're not focusing on themselves and they're not focusing on the movement or the food um, you know, that's in front of them. And lastly, I get them to focus on slowing down when they're eating. So they're putting down their fork in between bites. They're putting their hands on their laps. They're not on a computer. They're not scrolling on their phone. They're not watching TV. They are taking their time. Sometimes I'll refer to the book, The Slow Down Diet, for them to understand that they have to be in a sympathetic state in order to properly digest their food. And it could take about 20 minutes for that signal to go off in their brain to say, you are full now. Because if they've wolfed down all their food in 10 minutes or less, chances are they're going to overeat as well. So that's where it usually starts with absolute basics. Do you do anything to track those things? Uh, in regards to their sleep? Yeah, quantification. So for instance, if they've got like an aura ring or a whoop or Apple Watch or anything like that, we'll quantify their sleep. Dependent on that person, I may get them to wear a 24-hour blood glucose monitor to ensure that they're eating little and often and nothing that's going to cause a huge spike and then continue to have that spike. If that is the case, I'll usually get them to do a little bit of exercise after each meal. That could be sitting and standing at their desk 30 times, for instance. Um, yeah, and uh, I'd say, what was it sleep, hydration? No, what I do with the hydration, depending on the size of the bottle that they have, I'll get them to put a little bit of tape on the side of the bottle and they mark it off every time they drink a bottle so they can keep track exactly how much they're hydrating themselves by. You know, one of the things that I find with... Um with patients and using, you know, uh, quantification things, you know, like the whoop or um, Apple watch is they kind of get married to the numbers and yeah. it, it, it almost drives frustration for them where they yeah, like, weigh themselves every day. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. It, it's it kind of like watching grass grow and they're like, you know, I went to sleep last night, but my HRV still sucks. You yeah. know, what is the things that, that you talk over with them to kind of get them over that hump? Well, it's, I don't really get that too much, but I usually just tell them, look, we're not going to get caught up in the numbers. If that person is just wanting to lose weight, we're going to go by the mirror more than anything, how you feel. Because I only had a client this morning get on an in-body machine and say, oh my God, my weight has gone up. But we could see that their muscle had gone up, their body fat had actually come down. But don't worry about that. You know, it's like I compete in Ironman triathlon. I don't care about my FTP and my watt power output and all that sort of stuff if I'm still getting a good time and I feel good in my result. You know, so I don't get caught up with it. I try to get them to realize that there's balance between ancestral wisdom and quantification and biohacking today. So if I can get someone to uh, earth themselves every day, um, you know, I'm going to get them to go outside first and you know take their shoes and socks off as opposed to using a grounding mat inside. Yeah. And same thing with sunlight. If you can get outside, great sunlight. But if not, then we have to rely on biohacking and do red light therapy. You know, so it's always ancestral wisdom before you know the biohacking and the quantification. I love that you, you you jumped into biohacking because a lot of people they want to start there, right? They want to get the they want to get the, <laughs> the shiny object, right? They want to get the juve panels. They want to get you know the 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 grounding mat. They want to get the next you know shiny object thing. But you know you talked about ancestral wisdom. Um, with that said, what you know because there are some people they're like, yeah, okay, I do that. I want to 
I want to get to that next level. I want to maximize my health, my metabolic health. What are some of your favorite, you know, biohacks, tricks and techniques and all that stuff? Okay, well, I'll start off with a trick first or a technique, I should say, is start off your day and finish your day without any devices for at least an hour. I try to get my clients to go for two hours, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, bookend yourself to kind of focus on, you know, meditation, stretching, just be reading, just being present, absolute present. Because the majority of people aren't. And that's why we look back and go, wow, that was 15 years ago. Where did the time go? Because we're never present while we're worrying about the future, stressing about the past, you know. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two uh, would be, um, you know, like I, lo I love the, the fact of earthing, grounding yourself, especially now we're exposed to so much dirty electricity, EMFs, et cetera. But that may be a little bit woo-woo for some people. Uh, but uh, hot and cold thermogenesis, I think, is phenomenal. You know, so on a daily basis, I try to get in a sauna at least five days a week, you know, to help detoxify. Like I do have uh, a slightly higher level of heavy metal contaminants in my body. And a lot of people do from the fillings in their mouth, from the pollutants, from our food supply of heavy metal contaminants. So, you know, getting in the sauna is a great way of detoxifying and collating a lot of toxins out of your body. And like I said, the cold thermogenesis, just getting in a cold shower and having the cold water, um, you know, on, on your neck can really help with that emotional stability, but also help with uh, fat, fatty acid mobilization. There's a lot of benefits from that nitric oxide production, et cetera, you know, and obviously with the sauna helping increase heat shock protein to help our folded and damaged DNA. So, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that it can help. Uh, prevent the onset of aging in a lot of Finnish studies by getting in a sauna. So those are going to be my big ones. Of course, I have a plethora, I have a long list that I encourage dependent on that person, but that's where I get people usually to start. And, you know, if you're not like me and I've got like, um, you know, I've got, ink, I've got the yellow bulbs here and I've got the red bulbs upstairs. So in, you know, the light bulb, so it looks like a brothel upstairs in our house unless you're going to go to that extent, then, you know, wear the blue light blocking glasses and do everything you can to mitigate the damage of a lot of the artificial light that we expose ourselves with that constant flicker that raises up cortisol levels. Yeah. You alluded to the aging process. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, biological aging, you know, and you know, your physiological age and all that stuff. Sure. So I'm I'm current, I'm 47. I'll be 48 uh, this year. Now, when I had kind of really went down the the biohacking rabbit hole in 2014, I had my biological age test, hmm. and I was older biologically than chronologically, which was a shock to me because I thought, here I am. I've been following like the bodybuilding lifestyle and oh, eating yeah. my proteins, my vegetables, and my you know my uh, complex carbs, whatever. Shouldn't I be uh, you know, have a, have a lower biological age, but I wasn't sleeping much. I was dealing with a lot of stress. I wasn't caring if, the, well, none of the food I think I was eating was organic, grass-fed, wild-caught, humane-raised, or anything like that. And a lot of the supplements that I was taking was just purely focused on performance. And that was it, you know, like pre-workout, caffeine, creatine, I wasn't considering things that are possibly of anti-aging benefits like NMN, glutathione, high antioxidant, 
uh, hydrogen rich water. You know, I didn't even know what that was. Um, so that's when I started going down the, the rabbit hole and looking, okay, there's possibly mold toxins in this coffee. So I'm not going to have that type of coffee. I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat this type of food unless it's grass fed, wild caught, humane raised, et cetera. So that's what really, really did it for me. And then I started quantifying my age uh, every year. And I've been able to reduce my biological age every single year since then in 2014. So my most recent biological age test came back at 26 years old, even though I'm uh, 47. And, you know, that is the goal to continue to do so. And not only do I see that in the numbers, I feel it as well. I feel so much better than what I did six years ago. You know, I felt inflamed, you know, in my joints. I felt like my cognitive function wasn't as quick as it possibly could. And, you know, I, I was suffering. I suffered from asthma since a little kid. And I noticed that I've been able to eradicate that inflammatory response as well. So I can breathe better. I'm functioning better. I'm fitter. So, uh, you know, I'm going to continue going down that rabbit hole because, you know, I, that's a purpose of mine. It's a passion of mine. And then whatever, you know, I always say knowledge without mileage is bull. So if I can pass that on to someone else based on, you know, my observational studies on myself, then that's what I'll do. You know, one of the things that I, I you know, we're, we're reading about a lot is that the most common factor behind all diseases is aging, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, a lot of people are being um, exposed to things like you just said, NMM, um, and, and looking at the role that NAD has, the role of the, the mitochondria and, and um, all the things that affects the mitochondria where if if our mitochondria aren't working properly then we're not making enough energy we're not making enough energy then we start to lose that ability for different metabolic processes to function right protein folding starts starts getting you know a little bit iffy and we we start to accumulate these senescent cells and we we then become older faster and you know to look at the the state of the world that we're in where you know we got the pandemic going on and how the one our metabolic health metabolic flexibility or inflexibility and our our physiological age all of those things you know when we start diving into the research we start to see that those things have a huge impact on it where the people who have those markers of and it, and it all tends towards inflammation they they tend to do or, or have poorer outcomes with any type of infection and we see a lot of people now turning towards um diet supplementation exercise regimens and I, and I think it's i always like to look at things as there's always a positive side to it and i and i see the pandemic really allowing people to take a look at all of those things and, and really researching, right? And then they're looking for more answers other than what we've been told in mainstream media. Um, for you, what are some of the things just from a nutritional aspect that you would recommend somebody to help improve their, their biological age and, and just decrease inflammation overall? For sure. Thank you very much. It's a great question. So as I alluded to before, dependence on that person, if, if they're a carnivore, if they're following keto, if they're vegetarian, plant-based, whatever, just try to go wild-caught, grass-fed, organic, 
uh, humane raised whenever possible because the majority of antibiotics that are consumed by humans are not from the pharmacy, it's from the food that we eat uh, because a lot of the time they're pumped full of antibiotics. And obviously we want to look after our gut microbiome because that's where the majority of our immunity is built. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're not having a lot of antibiotics that could create some form of gut dysbiosis or leaky gut syndrome. So, you know, always look at then, you know, good probiotics. And, you know, that could be from goat's kefir. It could be from kimchi and sauerkraut. And then a good pro a probiotic dependent on that uh, person's gut microbiome as well. There's various tests that we can do, like from Biome, for instance, that tells us exactly what that, that gut microbiome looks like. And then, uh, you know, making sure that you're having good prebiotic fiber as well. So dependent on that person, if, again, if they have to shy away from nightshades, we'll remove that from their diet. Uh, but, you know, I always tell people, try to eat the rainbow when you're eating a meal. And then there could be a form of fasting within there as well. So with clients that I have that are performance-based, uh, they're weight trainers, uh, they're triathletes or motocross riders, then I'll get them on a controlled fast. And when I say controlled, then they're taking essential amino acids. They're taking fermented glutamine and things like that as well to help prevent some of that possible catabolism because they're living very, very active lifestyles, you know. So that's what that's, that's where it usually starts. And then from there, again, based on possible deficiencies. So as an example, I don't absorb vitamin D through photobiomodulation or photosynthesis. So I have to supplement high with vitamin uh, D and K2. And again, my liver doesn't break down a lot of the omegas. So, uh, so I don't, sorry, my liver enzymes can become inflamed. So I have to supplement high with omega oils. So it all depends on that person is dependent on the supplements or the food groups that I, I get them on uh, more than anything. I love that you mentioned all of that because everybody, uh, you know, with, with social media, they see, oh, so-and-so celebrities taking XYZ supplement. Um, they're doing 4 million IUs of vitamin D. Therefore, I'm going to do that as well because I want to be like them. Um, but you talked about biochemical indiv individuality where everybody has a specific need at that specific point in time. Um, according to their 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 genomic makeup um, and their physiological stressors and all of the things that's impacting their their body, um, and it's important to know those things, right? I mean, and the things that you alluded to are, I mean, you can know those things just from simple tests. You know, that right. it doesn't it doesn't cost that much, right, to do all those things. Um, now, with that said. You, know, you tell somebody, okay, I want you to eat wild, grass-fed, organic. Um, when, when they come back to you and they say, Chris, I just can't afford all the things that you're talking to me about. You know, what would you say to that person? You do what you can, obviously. It's like when I started weight training and into bodybuilding, I couldn't afford protein powders or anything like that. I could barely afford food. I was eating, you know, tins of uh, tuna and gagging that down with dry potatoes, you know, so yeah. I did what I can. And that's what I encourage everybody. Just do what you can. Um, obviously, there are supplements that can help break down like the, the, the glyphosates like ion from Dr. Zach Bush. So, you know, you can take that with uh, certain food groups that can really, really help. So there's usually a way around it. But look, if somebody just doesn't have the financial income in order to support grass fed, humane raised organic, you do what you can. Don't use that as an excuse or justification not to start. Yeah, yeah.
um, one, you know, what are some of the things that you know you want to leave our audience with? You know, like some of the last thoughts that you want to end, end this podcast with. Look, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Like you, you spoke about this before. Yeah. You look at people exactly. online and you go, wow, that person's so successful. They got a six pack. They got this Lamborghini or whatever. Don't compare yourself. Like I know personally, I'm not going to ever be the happiest person in the world. And I look at some of my friends that are always laughing and joking, but I could potentially be 1% happier. So I'm going to work on that. Mm. So I'm working to be my best self and improve my higher vibrations in order to do so. Some people may get a lot of satisfaction out of buying a Lamborghini. I get more satisfaction going on a 10 day silent retreat, to be honest with you, but I'm working on myself for myself. So don't compare yourself to what you see online. Cause a lot of the time you just see the highlight reel. Anyway, they don't show their vulnerability for you to relate to. So just focus on yourself and be consistent with persistence because we don't live five day a weeks we live seven days a week okay just because you did your five days doesn't mean that you have to fall off on that seventh day or you know sixth day because come monday it will you'll find it that much harder to start again and it's a vicious cycle so you'd be better off just running seven days at 60 percent as opposed to just dropping off on your saturday and sunday and starting again yeah you know you you said something that that just triggered something for me um you know when we look at other people's lives online i mean even even offline and we see you know them you know the the, the lamborghini the fancy cars uh the, the, the nice house and all that stuff the most common reaction for humans is to go to the negative side right they they look at oh that person has a lamborghini oh they must be you know a terrible person or whatever what what is your mindset around that when you look at other people's successes i just try to uh, apply what i learned from vipassana uh meditations i I meditate on a on a daily basis and i just try to invite only positivity into my universe of course it doesn't happen all the time but i've learned to observe i don't react i don't have a clinging or craving for it i don't have an aversion from it I just observe mm. and that's it. I just observe. So that is, that's really helped me in so many areas of my life. And then I, I try to focus on the sensations within my body before I actually think to react or say anything or have a thought. So that sensation could be a feeling of bliss. That sensation could be my heart rate's getting up, my blood pressure's coming up, whatever. So I focus on that sensation first and then I try to turn that to observation. And that is it. I just observe. Like I was in San Francisco on the weekend. I was with a friend of mine. Uh, well, I met up with a friend of mine. We went and worked out. He picked me up in his Lamborghini. And uh, he had only had it one day. And he'd said to himself at the start of the year, I'm going to get that as soon as I can afford it. So he earned so much money in January that he could afford it by the 16th, by the 16th. And then he picked it up the day before I saw him. Now I'm I could have been wow what what did you do that's that you know you, you know you you must be lucky or whatever it may be mm. instead I know that that car's not for me I, I I it was nice I wouldn't drive that especially here in Idaho um, but I was nothing but happy for him I was truly genuinely happy because this person had been locked up in prison for ten years mm. but he utilized his time in prison to change himself to come out as a different person. 
And all he does now is help people. He contributes into people's lives, but he invests wisely, wisely and he does well out of that. And I got nothing but mad props and happiness for that guy. So I just try to observe people's success. And that is it. Try not to let it, uh, let it affect you. It'll control you otherwise. Yeah, I love what you what you said. It's, you know, you we, we set these goals and a lot of times people see, you know, when we uh, attain the goals, they they see the thing that we shot for rather than the person that we became to at- attain those goals. And I think that that's the more most valuable part of it is we set these targets and, you know, the the, the fancy car, the nice house, the you know, the lavish lifestyle is the effect of who are we becoming, you know, and, and everything that you've talked about is centered upon, upon that one thing, right? It's who are you and to slow your life down so that you stop spinning out of control because your, your physiological health is just a reflection of your internal emotional health. And, and you talked about, you know, that level of vibration. And one of my favorite books that my mentor started me with you know, when I when I started on my journey through, um, you know, in in school, was power versus force, and you know, looking at the different vibrational states in the map of consciousness, and seeing things through those lenses, you know, and we've gotten a real big eye opener with this pandemic to see into that of where and how people see things of what's going on where you have a reaction of fear and some people react in a, in a way of you know joy and bliss like you were saying and you can have the same thing going on but according to the, your mindset according to your level of vibration of where you're at you see things differently right yeah for sure no doubt about it and like you said i think it's educational mm-hmm. uh, you have to educate yourself into various things now you know maybe that book the in all the all the chapters didn't relate to you but you took out the chapters that did and that's how you create your own book at the end of the day and looking at it from a spiritual perspective whether it be a book like that or you know like Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now that gives you that understanding maybe it's you know, uh, Marcus Aurelius meditations, who knows, who knows, but all the books that are on my shelf are useless. If I'm just a student of learning, you have to be a student of application, whatever you take from there that, you know, that's relating to you apply it because it can have nothing but a positive effect on your ROI. Love that right there. That is the capstone of it all. (laughs) We're just going to end the show on that. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Drop the mic. Call on the band. Um, and Chris, it was great having you on the show and, and chatting about, you know, all these things. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show because there's a lot more stuff that we can, you know, discuss and all the kind of um, things surrounding strength training, nutrition, mindset, all of that. Where can people find you and connect with you? Sure. The easiest way is probably go to my Instagram because I'm on there quite often and I've got quite a number of platforms. So it's K-R-I-S, Chris. And my last name is Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N, Chris Gethin. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes and everybody connect with Chris on on Instagram. Chris, it was great having you on the show. We've got to have you back. All right, man. Thank you very much. It would be my absolute pleasure. I look forward to it. So did you learn something? Did you get motivated? 
did you understand the things that Chris said? You know, he's such a wealth of knowledge. And go ahead and follow him on Instagram. We linked his information there. And, you know, if you got something from this episode, what I want you guys to do is on your socials, you know, write something about it, post something about it, and then share it with with your friends and family. I want to know what you got from this episode because there's so much information, you know, because there's a lot of people who struggle with this, right? They struggle with getting that motivation to get started and remaining consistent on their exercise program. So with that said, this is Dr. Mike, Triple Play Doc, saying be well and aloha. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Connect with me on Instagram at Triple Play Doc. Stay tuned for more episodes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the entire world. Till the next episode, be well and aloha.